I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Kia ora. For Eyewitness and RNZ, I'm Justin Gregory. November 2016 sees the arrival of an American warship in a New Zealand port, the first for more than 30 years. The visit is stirring up memories of a time when New Zealand's harbours were battle zones and peace activists faced off against nuclear warships. US Navy ships and submarines were frequent visitors here in the 70s and early 80s as part of our commitment to the ANZUS Treaty with America and Australia. But as fear of the nuclear threat grew, these visits became scenes of protest, and some took to the water to show their opposition. The Peace Squadron, as they were known, were a loose flotilla of motorboats, canoes, surfboards, sailboats and people who were prepared to put their bodies in the way of warships. The protests were organised by Anglican priest George Armstrong, who, ironically, got the call to act while watching American TV. On the screen one day appeared some small canoes in, in front of a giant freighter turned out to be some Quakers uh, in canoes trying to draw public attention to the shipments of weapons that were being uh, moved up to East Pakistan, and uh, the Quakers managed to stop these ships. New Zealand was having a two-decade debate with itself over the risks of nuclear weapons versus our obligations to our defence partners. Lots of Kiwis were terrified and indignant about American and French nuclear testing in the Pacific, but many others simply weren't. Regardless, George thought the time was ripe to try and change some minds. There was a tremendous awareness of nuclear testing in the Pacific. We could see flashes on the horizon on one particular occasion. And of course when the French were driven out of Algeria and came across to Tahiti to use Tahiti as a testing ground, then New Zealand became even more aware. The 1970s increasingly saw protests over foreign wars, the rights of Māori and women, and New Zealand's place in the world. When George Armstrong came home to New Zealand, he announced the formation of the Peace Squadron to picket New Zealand harbours against nuclear warships. He couldn't have picked a better time. In the 1975 general election, Rob Muldoon's National Party crushed the incumbent Labour government. The new pro-ANZUS PM announced that the nuclear-powered cruiser USS Truxton would visit Wellington in August 1976. The Peace Squadron took to their boats, but this first attempt didn't quite come off. The United States nuclear-powered cruiser Truxton is now anchored in Wellington Harbour. The Truxton made its way into harbour this morning in the face of a 30-knot northerly and through several dozen protest craft. The Truxton steamed into Wellington Harbour with no problems whatsoever about three protest boats shot out from Breaker Bay, but the Truxton was too fast for them and she left them wallowing in her wake. The three or four protest boats are being flanked by police boats, which outnumber them by about three to one. They're way behind the Truxton now and with the tide against them and the weather, they've got no way of catching up. Several craft were swamped and their crews rescued. 
One person was arrested after the police towed his boat out of the path of the cruiser. A person was later released without being charged. While the sea protest fell a bit flat, union action at the port meant the Truxton couldn't berth and was forced to anchor out in the harbour. The warship's bemused captain expressed a very standard Pentagon view of the protests. I don't know of any reason at all why the people of Wellington should be worried about having trust in the, in the harbour. If you're referring to the fact that we're a nuclear-powered warship, then uh, nuclear-powered warships have had uh, a perfect safety record. Later that year, Prime Minister Muldoon announced that nuclear-powered cruiser USS Long Beach would arrive in Auckland on October the 1st. George's plan to oppose the ship was simple, theatrical and spectacular. We were going to fill the harbour so full with pleasure craft that there wouldn't be any room for a nuclear ship to come in. This peaceful picnic in the presence of death, as they saw it, would again be matched by protests on land. George Armstrong cabled the Long Beach's captain to warn him about the protests and cheekily rang the Pentagon to tell them to turn the ship around. The night before the Long Beach arrived, the Peace Squadron anchored near Rangitoto Island. Up early, George sailed out into the shipping channel of the Hodaiki Gulf and looked north. And there, in the distance, was this enormous, what it looked like an enormous cruiser. And so I could see it out there, and I thought, oh boy, it's all on all right. Around 150 boats, canoes and surfboards put themselves between the Long Beach and the harbour entrance. Their attitude was nicely summed up by former Cabinet Minister Mathieu Rata, who put his boat in the cruiser's path and then calmly began fishing. And it worked. They twice forced the Long Beach to stop. Police launches did eventually carve a way through, but harbourboard tugs refused to help the Long Beach to berth. A sign on the harbourboard's empty office read, Closed, Gone Fishing. Ex-Education Minister Phil Amos's boat was boarded by police, and he was hauled off past waiting US officials. When the US ambassador saw Phil, he assumed that Phil was there to be part of the welcoming party, so he, he greeted him warmly and... and explained pleasantry. Suddenly the police came up and said, I'm sorry, Mr Ambassador, but this man is under arrest. And they marched him off. Phil Amos was defended in court by a lawyer friend named David Longy. Two protests down and just what the Peace Squadron was achieving wasn't quite clear. Both the Truxton and the Long Beach had made it to port and public opinion was running slightly against the protesters. But George was sure that they would eventually win the PR war. Oh, yes, as soon as we saw the newspaper headlines, we, we knew it had been successful. I was always fairly sure it would be successful as long as there was enough boats out there because the television cameras would make sure of that. I mean, it was quite a spectacle. It became an independence issue, really. Here was a foreign power forcing its way in and we were, our armed forces were using <laughs> against its own citizens kind of thing. So the sociodrama really did work. The next act in the sociodrama would take place in Auckland Harbour on 16th of January 1978. But the plot would be slightly different. Out here on the harbour, at the very entrance to Auckland Harbour, we have a beautiful day with a very slight sea, brilliant sunshine but lots of haze. Nuclear submarine USS Pintado barreled in towards Auckland, surrounded by Navy and police vessels. A hundred or so protest boats opposed them. Out here on the Auckland Harbour, in the wake of the Pintado, it's a maelstrom of heaving waters. There are so many power boats, sailboats, big boats and little boats. The, the ship came into the harbour a good hour late, steamed steadily down at about eight knots, and then ran into the blockade of small ships. She had to throw a flotilla of boats blasting orange smoke, oil drums being thrown over the side, 
even a capsize. It appears no one has been hurt or drowned. We've seen nobody in real trouble. How it's got, they've got clear is a miracle. Royal New Zealand Navy helicopters swoop down on sailboats, using their downdraft to blow them away or tip them over. Boats capsized and were abandoned, and some protesters in the water came terrifyingly close to being sucked into the Pintado's propellers. One tiny dinghy deliberately rammed the hull of the submarine. At the moment, the water is just churning, and we are now making a very fast clip right down the harbour through the blockade with all the protest fleet in hot pursuit. We've just seen the New Zealand Herald boat skating down a great wall of water. How it got out, I don't know. It's been chaos this morning so far, a much more exciting action than the last time we had a nuclear boat, and the protesters have certainly made their point. However, we've seen no one arrested, we've seen the earth capsize, we've seen smoke signals, we've seen oil drums thrown overboard. We've seen no death or destruction so far, we hope there was none. When it was over, George Armstrong made up his mind. If the government was prepared to use such dangerous tactics, then he would make sure everyone knew about it. We'll come right into the inner harbour and do the protest there where everybody can see it. Because the point was to not to be out of sight so that the armed forces could do what they liked with us, but to be where the public could see us and then they could judge for themselves. On the 19th of January 1979, a submarine called the USS Haddo drew near to Auckland Harbour. 200 Peace Squadron vessels let it enter and then pounced. Media and the Auckland public were watching. And by the end of the day, a man called Stephen Sheary would be a legend. This is Stephen in 1995, talking to documentary maker George Andrews. When the Haddo came in, the object of the day was to get out there and make sure that that submarine knew that we were women serious. Anyway, we get out there and we find um, everybody serious. Stephen's boat sailed in close to the Haddo, and the protesters repeatedly pelted the submarine with yellow paint bombs. They stopped when they saw the kayaker Terry Bell was in trouble. We noticed the guy had been tipped out of his kayak over the front of the, of the, of the submarine, and we could see him getting dragged down the edge. So we went in, grabbed this guy, and I was only a couple of feet or three feet away from the submarine. And I was so blimmin' wild that I just leapt off the vessel that was in and jumped on. Incredibly, Stephen was standing on the hull of a nuclear submarine. The first person I saw or heard was the skipper from the conning tower. In his words, I could hear them today, he said, what the is he doing on here? I can't remember this, but apparently the first words I said when I got on board was, turn this bloody thing round. It was the first time that I'd done anything like that. I admit that it hasn't been the last. The drama wasn't over for Terry Bell. He dived off his launch after it was run down by the police and swam as far away as he could. But when he surfaced, he found the police right next to him. George Armstrong again. And so they dragged him on board, took him off to the police station, and he only had a pair of red underpants on because that's all he needed when he was sailing his kayak. And uh, they interviewed him and then let him go, and he had to walk down Queen Street in his red underpants, but he had other things to think about anyway. So, Newspaper headlines the next day said, Boarded, hot welcome for a yellow submarine. George Armstrong got the PR when he wanted. It would be a year before any more nuclear ships tried to visit New Zealand. Public opinion was turning against the visits and the government's tactics. It seemed like a good time to George for him to step down. 
I felt at the end of those three events, we'd probably broken the back of it. People took big risks, I know, and uh, they had some very frightening experiences and they showed great courage, but but it, it became a, a kind of routine and it couldn't go on forever and the public opinion was definitely... It was not with those ship visits. For a time, the warships continued to come and the protesters continued to oppose them. Robert Muldoon's national government was voted out of office in 1984, and the next year, the new Labour government refused a visit by American ship the USS Buchanan. A generation-long chill between the two countries began. In 1987, Labour passed the New Zealand Nuclear Free Zone, Disarmament and Arms Control Act. New Zealand was now nuclear-free by law. Thirty years on, it's arguable whether the world is safer now from nuclear weapons than it was back then. But a stand was taken, and for once, the little guy won, even if only symbolically. Intrepid submarine invader Stephen Sheary gets the final word. And there were a little, little fish in the world telling a big one how we stand. I'm proud of that, and I guess there's a lot of other people in this country that are proud of that stand. You've been listening to Eyewitness on RNZ National with additional audio from Natalna Sound and Vision and the 1995 documentary Nuclear Reaction by George Andrews. If you enjoyed this story, please write a review or rate us on iTunes. You can subscribe or listen to every Eyewitness podcast on iTunes or at radioNZ.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're there, we'd invite you to dip into any of the other RNZ podcasts. And if you have a story you think we should know about, email us at eyewitness at radioNZ.co.nz. Eyewitness was written and presented by me, Justin Gregory, and engineered by Adrian Holley. Kakite anō. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.